0: Hello, everybody. Welcome in to another episode of the Couch GM's podcast on Wednesday, April 6th, 2022. I'm your host, George Kurth, here, joined by the one and only draft expert, Cody Roadcap. I'm calling you that today because we're the draft here, starting. Cody, how do you feel about that? I mean, it's quite an honor. I feel like
1: I just have this all this pressure on me a little bit. I feel like uh, the listeners are going to hold me to a higher standard, which they should. Uh, But stay tuned. We definitely have a lot of good draft content coming up, not just
0: this episode, but over the next month. No doubt about that. Make sure you stay in tune the rest of the month to talk about other positions. But today we're going to hit the wide receiver position, who I think is the most interesting in this draft. Not only talent wise, but teams that could use wide receivers with good quarterbacks, even guys who could be relevant right off the bat for fantasy. And obviously we're going to hit some news and notes here today as well. Make sure you find us on thecouchgms.com and our social media channels for more than you get from the show here today. Cody, let's jump in first, NFL news. And starting off NFL news today, trades. We haven't seen as much free agent action as everyone starts to find their place, but trades are still happening here throughout the league. Started off in Miami where they have traded Devontae Parker to the New England Patriots. We knew that there's something coming with their uh trading of Tyreek Hill. They had too many wide receivers down there. Patriots receive Devontae Parker in a fifth-round pick, and the Dolphins get a third-round pick back in return. Instant reaction. Devontae Parker going to be something worth looking at this year?
1: I think so. I mean, we'll have to wait and see what the Patriots do in the draft. Um, I, It is a very interesting scenario for me because, you know, I, we talked about this with the Jags when they had their trade. You know, they have Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Marvin Jonathan's Like, like, ah, do you really like any of those guys? We're seeing this similar thing up in New England when you have Devontae Parker, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne. <laughs> like, Hunter Henry's probably the favorite target there with Mac Jones still. Uh, but I, I think it's a good trade. It's not very often you see interdivisional trades. Uh, I feel like when it does happen, it is the Patriots and the Dolphins. They like, like to make some – news and you might have just cut out when you were talking a little bit because of you know technology we can't be in the same place but it is a third round pick in next year's draft just to make sure that was clear he probably said it but it cut out on my end
0: actually I did miss that detail so it's not exactly moving up two rounds you're moving up two rounds in the next you know giving up a fifth going to third next year but I mean I wouldn't expect much more out of Devontae Parker he is I think no doubt the number one receiver talent wise in New England now his big problem recently has been staying healthy. Is that going to change in this situation? I mean, as a fantasy owner, I hope so. It'd be nice to see a fantasy relevant wide receiver out of that offense, but he's not exactly the ultra game changer that you're going to see, like a Devontae Adams trade earlier this year or a Tyree Kill trade. It's nothing like that. He might be worth looking at for a late round flyer. I mean, we were still looking at the tight ends and, the, you know, to an extent, the receivers in that offense last year, so. He kind of falls into the top of that list besides maybe Hunter Henry, like you said. And it's kind of a wait and see to see how it goes with the draft. I'm sure we're going to be talking about the Patriots and wide receivers in a bit.
1: Definitely. And definitely uh, we'll also go in with, uh, you know, stealing some snaps from Jacoby Myers. He was probably the wide receiver to own. He finally found the touch, the the end zone last year during the regular season. So just uh, it's like a wide receiver by committee approach that, we're, that could start taking over the NFL, hopefully not for fantasy. Um, But speaking of the draft, and I don't think this trade rules out the Patriots taking a wide receiver even early. uh, But the Saints and Eagles, they said, hey, we're going to just mess. I was going to say a naughty word, but I won't. They're going to mess stuff up with the NFL draft with this random, weird pick swap trade. So we'll break it down for you. It's very complicated. But the Saints receive number 16 overall this year number 19 overall this year, and a sixth-round pick this year. The Eagles, in return, get the 18th pick overall this year, a third-round pick, a seventh-round pick, and the Saints 2023 first round, and the Saints 2024 second round. So almost like the Saints just found a way to buy an extra first-round pick. George, as the resident Eagles fan, what do you think of this trade?
0: Well, there's a couple different angles to look at it, and I know you're looking at the Eagles' perspective. I'm going to start with the Saints' perspective. This gives them the opportunity to either definitely take a quarterback if one of the quarterbacks falls to either 16, or if they really like a quarterback, packaging 16 and 19 to move up, to maybe pick 10, pick 8, pick 6, wherever it takes for them to get the quarterback they like. So keep an eye out for the Saints to make a move on top of what you've already seen. On the Eagles side, I think it's interesting. They still do have two first-round picks this year. They had 15, 16, 19. Now they have 15, 18. So not much of a change there, except they now move one of their first-round picks to next year. The Eagles are now in the market of if Jalen Hurts fails, they have two picks in the first round to move up to get a quarterback next year. This year, I think it's interesting to see now what are they going to do with their first-round picks. They spent top-two-round picks on wide receivers each of the last three drafts. Does this take them out of taking a first-round pick wide receiver now only having two first-round picks? That's potentially what you're looking at. They might go defense with their two first-round picks now. Um, It's obviously still a little early to tell. Maybe you'll hear some leaks on what their draft room is thinking, getting closer to the draft, but that's what I'm looking at right now with this trade.
1: Yeah, and I wouldn't rule out the Eagles picking a wide receiver. I mean, they still can. I do think it's interesting that they were able to keep – pick 15 so they could still stay ahead of the Saints so like hey we're, they might call the Saints back hey say someone's coming up for a quarterback do you you want to give us our picks back or something like that but it could take him out of the running for a wide receiver they still have Rager and they still have Devontae Smith Um, a guy I really like for them at pick 15 if he would be fall would be Jordan Davis even though I'm hoping he gets all the way to 22 I don't think he'll be there <laughs> but the defense alignment out of Georgia would be you know a nice fill in get a year behind Fletcher Cox and just continue. Dominant interior defensive line play from Philadelphia for the next decade. They were able to pull that one off from the Saints. I know it was reported earlier on Tuesday that this move doesn't necessarily mean they're moving up for a playoff. They actually think that they're two solid pieces in the draft away from competing this year. So obviously they've evaluate their team more than we do. We don't even know if Jameis Winston will be able to start the season when he tore his ACO So that'll be a big question mark. But also a name to watch is we're not doing quarterbacks this week, but Desmond Ritter uh he's probably like a mid-tier first round end of the first guy like with that second pick or they might use him to get a quarterback like Desmond Ritter and then still get a solid piece um so hopefully it works out for both teams but still it's feels like such a weird trade to pull off when you're trading mid level or mid round not mid round I guess mid of the round one picks four months four weeks before the draft so very interesting but at least we're getting some action and I'm sure with this draft class, there'll be a lot of movement as we get closer to the draft and especially on
0: draft night. I think it's worth noting, not that we're going to go too into the technical as a fantasy show here, but uh, first round picks, I think I've heard have fully guaranteed salaries on their rookie deals now. So that also, I th- they heard that was probably the Eagles trying to avoid having three fully guaranteed rookie contracts in one year. So that was probably another reason why they decided to delegate that back to 2023 on top of giving themselves flexibility in next year's draft. Meanwhile, the Saints, maybe they do think they're only two solid picks away from competing. But like I said, it still does give them the option to go hard for a quarterback if they decide that's what they want to do.
1: Definitely. And they could be leaking. Hey, we're we're interested in solid players just to prevent any other teams from jumping up there. But if they do think they're two pieces o- away One of the teams in their own division they have to compete with is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And whatever we stop recording within 24 hours, big news breaks. This is the big news from last week. Bruce Arians stepping down as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach. He will join the front office in a consultant advisor role. And the team has promoted Todd
0: Bowles to head coach. George, what are your thoughts? I found it very interesting that Bruce Arians, in his press conference talking about stepping down and introducing Todd Bowles, had said that giving the team to somebody, giving the team to a successor in a good situation was more important to him than winning another Super Bowl as the Buccaneers coach. And I mean, maybe it's just the kind of guy Bruce Arians is. I've heard good things about him in the past throughout the league, and I know he was somebody who, I don't know if he just lost his head coaching job or retired and then came back out of retirement. but. He's an older coach who was getting onto the cusp of retirement, and I could see him making a move like this. But some part of me still has this weird feeling that that rumor that him and Tom Brady weren't getting along still has something to do with this. This now allows Bruce Arians to sit back a little bit, still work with the team, but not be the person communicating with Tom every day. Todd Bowles jumps in as somebody who probably does still have a good relationship with Tom Brady and now gets to run the whole team. So maybe it's not that, and it's just the conspiracy theorists getting in my head, but I have some kind of feeling that that was something to do with this whole move.
1: Yeah, I know. I've definitely seen those rumors. I tend to have not bought into them as much as I think other people have. I think that was the instant reaction. And I just take Bruce Arians at his word that he wanted to give Todd Bowles the best opportunity to succeed. I mean, Bruce Arians has been a, you know, what the nfl should be when it comes to coaching with diverse backgrounds and adding players from diverse backgrounds adding female coaches like he's been a cavalier in it he was i believe he had the most coaches of color on his team in the past he's had females on his staff so knowing where this league is at you know we had the brian flores thing at the beginning of the season to you know being able to give one of your coaches that has had a head coaching job and on was let go after a few seasons and now is bounced back up. He was one of the hottest names in this draft season, but he turned down a few offers, especially like in Jacksonville, I believe it was one of the ones he turned down, not to, even to interview for. Uh, Cause so he might've knew this was coming also when he didn't take as many opportunities and then, but putting him in a good spot, you know, helping this guy succeed, helping a coach of color succeed in the NFL. I do take his word at that. And, you know, maybe there is a little bit of a drift and, but I don't think it was like Tom Brady was like, hey, I'm coming out of retirement only if Bruce Arians stepped down. I honestly think Bruce Arians, in all his heart, thinks was the best move. And this was trying to help his coaching staff go forward. Like I th- feel like you mentioned it. he's He already retired once and then he came back p- specifically to coach in Tampa Bay. Like he checked that off his bucket list. He can go to this, the front office, still be on payroll, still help out,
0: uh, but help his guys succeed in the NFL. So the other thing that I heard coming with this, and I'll ask you, Todd Bowles gets the promotion. A lot of people were wondering why not Byron Leftwich after all the buzz he got in this uh, head coaching cycle as well. So what do you think about that?
1: I think, I mean, they both were up for, they both got you know interview opportunities for for both roles. Maybe it was they wanted Letwich to, like, stay focused only on the offense to, like, bridge that with Tom Brady. And so now the defensive coordinator will oversee everything. But Letwich will probably be assistant head coach, and he will get full control of the offense now. So I think, in a way, this helps both of them. It helped Todd Bowles. He got the job. And then now that Bruce Arians isn't there, this will be Byron is offense. He'll have a year if they're successful, which I imagine they will be with Tom Brady unless he finally falls off a cliff, which I don't think will happen. He'll be a lead candidate next year because he will no longer be under Bruce Arians' shadow. This was his offense. We've seen what he can do. So
0: it's a win-win for both guys. Yes, it could be. So I guess we'll see how long Byron which stays in Tampa Bay now. If he does decide to hang around or does take a head coaching job next year. But in the meantime, expect the Buccaneers to be competitive yet again. We have a couple of retirement notes to put into here. I'll start off with uh, former Eagles and Saints safety two-time Super Bowl winner Malcolm Jenkins announces his retirement after 13 seasons. Not much of a fantasy hit there, but a solid defensive piece for his entire career, a captain on the defense. That's a big one that uh, the Saints will be missing coming into this season. And then finally, also, the man who we praised last year thinking it was going to be done, it is officially done, Frank Gore will sign a one-day contract to retire as a San Francisco 49er. I know we already did talk a little bit about him last off-season like I said, Cody, what are your final thoughts on Frank Gore and maybe uh boxing?
1: Yeah, well, he's retiring to start his professional boxing career and I mean, no one wanted to hit that dude with pads on. Now he gets to drop the pads and put weighted gloves on, so we'll pro- not weighted gloves, but we all know what we're talking. About. And He gets to, you know, take out his anger and actually tries to hit you instead of avoiding contact. So, uh, incredible. I don't think he avoided contact all too much. That's true. But (laughs) from what he came from with all the injuries, all the ACLs, they didn't expect him to, to be able to play to, I think he's what, I don't, we need a stat guy, but I think he's third all time in rushing yards. If I have that number off quickly off the top of my head, I believe he's third all time. If not, he's real close. It's, he's in the top five for sure. I do know that. Um but it's also great that he's resigning a one day contract with the 49ers. If the 49ers would have won the NFC championship game and made it to the Super Bowl, I was like really hoping that they would bring him back just for that game because I feel like he he deserved it as much as he gave to that organization. Uh but Frank Gore, you know, even his last full season of playing, he was with the Jets and made an impact in the game. So incredible career for him and super happy to see that he's continuing he's still going to be an athlete just in a different
0: sport. Frank Gore is, in fact, third all-time in rushing yards. Barely hitting that 16,000 mark. But, yes, uh, excellent career for him. <laughs> Every time that we thought he was out, he'd come back. Um, I know Eagles Twitter was giving him big major props for the uh, big accomplishment that he made with the Eagles in that uh, one day that he said he was going to sign a contract, and they did not. But, in all seriousness, great career, future Hall of Famer there. Finally calling it quits. Maybe he'll be a Hall of Fame boxer on top of it all if everyone wants to look at it, it's May 14th is his professional boxing debut. So.
1: I think it'll be interesting. You met, you called him a hall of famer. I think it'll be interesting if he makes it, makes it in. It's because it's going to be very, it's so, you know, I always say, you know, the hall of fame is you should be top three, the to top five, depending on what position is for, a, you know, multiple year stretch of your career. And when you think about Frank Gore, you never thought of him as a top three running back. You never thought of him as a – but he had such the longevity of the career. He's third all-time in rushing yards. So it's like, okay, now are we going to evaluate stats or was he one of the, the best all-time running backs? It's a very good debate. It's very interesting to see how it plays out. I think he'll ultimately get in. Like if you're third all-time and you're top three all-time in running back stats, so I mean you're top three in something – But if you go back to, you know, when you argue guys like I'm like, hey, I don't think Eli Manning should be in the Hall of Fame because he had two incredibly lucky catches that won Super Bowls and his defense carried him majority of the time. And he was never a top three quarterback in the league, but
0: he'll probably still make it. So if he can make it, Frank Gore should make it. That's true. And I'm the one that's saying Frank Gore should make it and Eli still should not. So time will tell, I guess, but we'll see what happens. We have a couple of quick free agent updates to rapid fire at you here um, as, before we go into our main segment. Bobby Wagner, the linebacker, signs a five-year deal with the rival LA Rams. He is excited to not only play closer to home, but also play against Seattle two times a year, but Seattle regrets that drop now. Tyron Matthew, the top safety left on the market, is visiting the New Orleans Saints, who just recently lost Malcolm Jenkins to retirement, so that would be an interesting fill right there. Uh, The Saints did sign Andy Dalton last week, like we mentioned. Afterwards, they released uh, their other backup quarterback, Blake Bortles. He is back on the market. Giovanni Bernard is back with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as the Buccaneers continue to retool for Tom Brady returning. Marlon Mack is headed to the Houston Texans, who I think is going to be an interesting team when we talk about running backs in their draft preview in the next few weeks. But Marlon Mack, for now, I think jumps to the top most talented back on the Texans roster and it's going to be interesting to see how that split's going to break out and how we evaluate that backfield going into next season and cornerback Xavier Howard gets a massive five-year contract extension to reset the cornerback market staying in Miami I think that hits all our free agent updates for the week Cody and now we can jump into our draft preview with the wide receiver position Alrighty,
1: so we're going to kick it off with the wide receivers. You might be asking yourself, why not quarterbacks? Why not running backs? Well, because we've seen so many trades and so much action around the wide receivers, we're going to keep that trend going with all the rookie options out there. So what we did for today's show is we're going to give you a, a quick and easy breakdown of our top 10 guys. These guys will probably be going in rounds one or two. One or two of them might fall at the beginning of round three, but I, could, I would think it's a safe bet that most of these guys will go in the top 64 picks because they're they're talented enough so we're going to go over we're going to go over them all and then give you some ideas of where they might be but before we do that I think George has a quick list on which teams might have the biggest need at wide receiver
0: yes I'll just give a quick rundown of some of the teams we should be watching Uh, maybe some of them will not go for a wide receiver in the first round but you should see probably top two three rounds are going to be looking at wide receivers on their board The number one on my list is the Detroit Lions. I think that one's pretty obvious. They need somebody on that roster to go along with the talent they already have there, but they might be looking quarterback first round. So don't expect them to maybe go there in the top 10, but watch it. Uh, The Philadelphia Eagles obviously are looking for somebody um, to maybe replace Jalen Rager across from Devontae Smith. So we'll see how they go there. The Patriots, despite their recent trade, they're on my list here. They need somebody to go with Devontae Parker that may be more consistent even if they uh even though they did make that trade um a couple others the Baltimore Ravens they could be looking to add to their room still even after a first round receiver last year the Raiders may still be looking for more pieces the Colts I definitely need some more wide receivers there help their new quarterback the Houston Texans who may be trading Brandon Cooks as well but we can talk about that another date um and finally the New York Jets those are my top eight
1: top eight well i'm just going to round out your your top eight and make it a top 10 and throw the packers and the chiefs who both traded their number one guys away over the last two weeks so looking they have big shoes to fill uh so those be the top 10 teams but we'll get right into it with a lot of people's number one wide receiver he is not my number one wide receiver i can't even speak today (laughs) Uh, but that is garrett wilson the wide receiver out of ohio state he is six feet 183 pounds I believe he's ranked all the way up at number six on Todd McShay's big board. Um, but just a quick, you know, about him, you know, he's mostly going to be like, okay, For I'll give you his player comp. I'm not a huge fan of player comps. So when I give you a player comp, don't think of it as I'm projecting what he could be. I think he'll be as good as this player, but think of it as more of that's his archetype or that's the style that he plays. And I think when you look at Garrett Wilson, you see Deontay Johnson. A guy that you know thrives in the slot, short yardage. He can take a ball deep. I think Deontay Johnson is a good fit for him. Whether he lives up to be as good as Deontay Johnson, maybe he'll be a little bit better than him. Um, he needs to go to a pass-heavy offense. You know, you mentioned the Jets. He is rate, currently ranked as the top you know wide receiver on a lot of boards. That pick ten spot is very interesting. I don't know if it's the best fit because I feel like him and Elijah Moore could have a little bit of, you know, competing against each other for, you know, those over the middle thing or over the middle routes over the middle connections. Um, But the the Jets need pass catchers get another young guy for Garrett Wilson if they think he's the top guy in the draft. Um, But personally, for me, even though he is the top guy on a lot of people's boards for fantasy, he's not one of the guys I'm looking for it would have to be like the perfect situation after the draft for me to like say okay he's the top wide receiver you need to get in your rookie drafts if you play dynasty or looking forward to next season but uh
0: so I'm a little bit down on Garrett Wilson George do you have any thoughts on on him no I think you about covered it too he's also not my favorite wide receiver in the draft but it seems like the consensus of just you know you know talking about prospects based on their intangibles and how they did in the combine and stuff. It seems like he seems to be the top guy yet. At the same time, I've seen plenty of mock drafts where he is not the first wide receiver off the board. So I don't quite understand how everything is skewing. Maybe it's team fits like you said, but uh, why don't I talk a couple of teams that are in the top 10, that may decide to take him. And I want to see if that, if he would be a t- uh, your top fit based on if he went to these teams. So I'll just start off with the jets. Cause I mentioned them as one of my teams that could use a uh, wide receiver.
1: No, he wouldn't be my my top fit. I mean, it's also Hart in a vacuum, he wouldn't be my top fit. You know, like if my favorite guys that we'll talk about here in a little bit end up on teams like the Patriots or the the Ravens or not, you know, high passing offenses that would make, it would obviously raise Garrett Wilson, but I just
0: Mm -hmm. think there's guys behind him that I'd much rather have. Okay. The other New York team, the Giants, because they have two picks in the top 10. Maybe they'll go wide receiver with one of them.
1: Yeah, I think I think they can do better. You know, even waiting or trading back. I know it takes two to tangle, but um, they got Tony last year. They still paying Kenny Galladay enough. Like, what I'd like to see those guys. You know, Galladay be healthy. Tony, he looked really good when he was healthy. I know health is a big question mark, but yeah, he wouldn't move the needle
0: for me in New York either. And then a team that I kept off of my wide receiver needs list, mostly because I think they're on quarterback first. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons if they decide to pass on quarterback and go wide receiver?
1: This is of the top 10 teams that I would be the most excited about Garrett Wilson, just because how bare their room is. Like he would come in and he would be the number one, um, at least until Calvin Ridley gets back. So he would come in and he would have a dominant role. That Like the Atlanta Falcons, if they do pick whichever wide receiver they pick, even if it's not till the second round and they get a guy, like that's a guy you should keep an eye on because of, the opportunity that's available to him. Uh so that would be my favorite fit for Garrett Wilson, but I would also like some of the other guys that we're going to talk about if they went to the Falcons as well.
0: Okay. I like it. Um we can I can move us on then to our number 2 receiver on your list who also I don't know if he's my number 1 on my list either, but USC's Drake London. So, Cody, why don't you talk a little bit about Drake London while I uh prepare, prepare what I was going to say here. I want to see how you differ.
1: Okay, so I do think it's
0: interesting. Um, You've already heard us both, you know,
1: not on my list, not on the list. This draft, in my opinion, there isn't a clear-cut number one guy. Like, there is no Jamar Chase of this class. I'm not saying any of these guys don't have the potential to be Jamar Chase, but there's no clear-cut this is the best wide receiver in the league. You know, the, there are a lot of, you know, Devontae Smith prospects, really good prospects. But, you know, it's not a guarantee. There are a lot of Justin Jefferson prospects. Really good attributes. How well will they pan out? I'm not saying any of them will turn out to be as good as Justin Jefferson, but that's what we're talking about. This draft is like the – from picks, you know, 15 to 40, 15 to 60, like that's like the prime area to be taking these wide receivers. So those teams that are needy wide receivers in the top 10, there isn't that guy. Like this is like – think back to the year when it was Corey Davis, Justin. Ross no what was his th- what was the dude the Bengals wide receiver Ross he was super fast like, John, I Ross. His first name. John <laughs> Ross and Mike Williams they all went top 10 mm-hmm. and we all were like why are all these receivers going top 10 and we might see a wide receiver run just because how big of a need it is but those are the type of guys you know secondary roles that could per- you know go into a a primary role option but I will say with Drake London he hasn't ran yet uh that's his big question mark he hasn't run the 40. He didn't do it at the combine. His pro day was rescheduled to April 15th. But the dude literally is, he is a tree. He is 6'4", 220 pounds. He ha- can catch everything. There, I heard one person say there's no 50-50 ball with him. It's a 90-10 ball. Like, he's going to come down <laughs> with it. The big question <laughs> is, can he separate? You know, he if, if he goes out and runs, you know, four or five, you know, you're thinking of a guy that might be, a not might not have the straight line speed, but he's built like a DK Metcalf. You know, he'll if he he'll a go DK down the Metcalf.
0: field. DK Metcalf ran a fast forty though, if I'm thinking correctly, didn't he?
1: Yeah, but he had a terrible three cone. Like like DK Metcalf has like no agility or no. had no agility, I should say. When that's why he fell. Mm-hmm. Drake London is very similar in that sense. We don't know what his forty will be. It probably won't be as fast as DK Metcalf. But again, just that bigger body. Um, probably doesn't have the lateral quickness you know maybe like a like a julio jones a little bit but not as quick as well just that bigger tr- you know tree body like a larry fitzgerald might be a really good comp for him like there you go big possession receiver gonna catch everything um so there's a lot of good teams out there like he makes a ton of sense for a lot of teams but we're seeing him currently go anywhere from pick eight with, to the falcons to pick 25 to the titans like he has a big range and a lot of that is depending on what his 40 time will be because we know how much the NFL emphasizes that.
0: And I don't know why, especially for a guy like Drake London, like maybe if he does go out there and run a four or five, like you said, that's a little concerning because you do want to see them have some kind of agility at the wide receiver position, but that's not the kind of receiver he is like John Ross is actually a great example of a wide receiver who was an absolute speed demon that just didn't work like speed is not the only thing that makes a wide receiver. And like you said, this guy is a tree, this guy can catch everything. Like he does have to have enough speed to get separation and maybe even more of that's route running. So maybe his 3 cone is more important than his 40 time. But I don't I feel like he has to run a very bad 40 in order for him to really his draft stock to really be affected. That's just just with how the wide receiver the wide receiver he is. So This is one of the cases where that emphasis on speed and everything kind of drives me nuts.
1: Totally. And uh, just, I gave you the Larry Fitzgerald sports illustrated. They compared him to Kenny Galladay, another big body receiver that goes up and catches things. Um, A guy who was compared to
0: Calvin Johnson coming out of his draft. So that just gives you another comp. If you're uh, forgetting how good Kenny Galladay was in his little bit time there in Detroit.
1: Definitely. And I think if you, I'll go ahead and jump the the question. But for me, this makes Drake London makes a ton of sense for the Jets. Now, obviously, if he runs a slow 40, he's gonna he's gonna drop. But you go get a guy that can catch everything for Zach Wilson. You have second round pick Elijah Moore on the other side slash the slot. They still have Braxton Berrios. Like London is a different wide receiver. I often think about building a wide receiver room like you're building uh, you know, a starting five in the NBA. Like, go get your power forward center. That is Drake London. You have your guards and your wings already. So fantasy-wise and just positional wise I think the Jets make the most sense for Drake London.
0: Obviously, I might be going homer here, but I think the Eagles are a very good fit for Drake London because they have the speed demon wide receivers, the really good route runners on the outside with the Quez Watkins and the Devontae Smith. You put a guy like that that is the go-up-and-get-it guy, the red zone threat, the reliable third down pass catch, you know, pass catcher. I think that is I if he went to Philly, that would be my favorite fit for him right away off the bat.
1: No, I uh I completely agree with that. I think if he fell all the way to the 22, the Packers would love to have him because they like those big receivers that can block as well. So he could be a definitely an interesting one and could end up being a top wide receiver come rookie fantasy drafts. But on to our next guy, It is wide receiver Jamison Williams out of Alabama. Now, he is coming off of an ACL injury, and that is why he is not a clear cut top five pick. If he can recover from that, he would be the clear and away number one prospect in the draft. Unfortunately, he probably won't be ready till November. I know they're trying to push, he might be ready for training camp, but realistically, he'll probably start the season on PUP, and you have a rookie coming in mid season. You know, how much up to speed can he get? So he's a long, he's more of a long play guy. Um, he might not make the big impact. You might be able to get him a little bit later in your rookie rookie drafts. I know Chris Sims, he's a you know, he has him as his number one guy, and he compared him to a Jerry Judy with speed or a bulky Devontae Smith. Like I don't know if he just was going with the Alabama guys, but that's what he compared him to. Sports Illustrated has him as a taller Deshaun Jackson. But he has, I don't even like that comp because he has more tools than Deshaun. Like, he can catch a short pass and take, he's not just a deep threat. He is an all-around wide receiver. It would help to add a little bit of weight once he gets in the league just for blocking purposes. But he he should be able to still fly. He could fly in college. Obviously, he we don't have any testing numbers on him because of his ACL. Um, so he's going to be the most interesting because he's not going to play right away. But he, he, is, he is my favorite wide receiver in the draft. I think he could be the best one coming out of this this mm-hmm. group and could make the biggest impact, maybe not next year, but if you're playing Dynasty and this is a rebuild year for him, go ahead and take him because, hey, he'll be good in 2023.
0: Definitely. I think he could be the steal of the middle, of the fir- middle to late first round in your Dynasty drafts. The comp that I heard that I like the most, maybe you'll like it too, Will Fuller. Yeah, he's a similar play style to that. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, he's a good route runner with the good speed. He can always break the short passes for the big. But he's also a home run hit wide receiver as well. He's a very, he has a very wide range. Like you said, it's the injury that has him not as the the consensus number one wide receiver or a top five pick. So yeah, he's still my favorite wide receiver of the group even though the injury, just because I've seen so many people recover from ACL injuries these days and come back and be just as good or better than they were before. It doesn't worry me as much as maybe people were worried five years ago when they heard of a guy having an ACL injury and having to come back. So that doesn't deter me. And because of him slipping in drafts and slipping in dynasty drafts, he's going to be a target that I'm looking at very heavily this year.
1: Me too. And I think my favorite fit for him, I th- I mean, there's, he fits into pretty much any offense, but for me mm-hmm. when I'm looking at it, um, you know, wide receiver is like a sneaky need for the Chargers because Keen Allen won't be under contract much longer. They did just resign Mike Williams, but they don't really have a third guy at this moment, anyways. Um, Jamison Williams, if he can make it to I think they have pick seventeen, if I remember it correctly off the top of my head, I should have the draft order in front of me. But they're right around that range in between the whole Saints and Eagles shakeup that I'm still confused about. But <laughs> that would be like such a fun fit for him he could come in he could be wide receiver three the second half of the season and then he could grow with justin herbert and i think that is the way they're building they have a little bit of like their first round pick doesn't have to be an immediate contributor they're a good team already they are, made their splashes in free agency. obviously you want your first round pick to be a contributor but waiting to week eight for a guy like jamison williams would be worth it at that point in the draft
0: Yeah, I don't really see him falling down to the bottom, like the very bottom of the first round, but I think any of those teams down there that are looking for a wide receiver, the Chiefs, the Packers, the Titans, would all love to have somebody like that there, but he's not going to fall that far. I don't even think he's going to make it to the Chargers, although I think that is a sneaky good pick. Um, I'm kind of looking at the Ravens because I know they still want to add to their wide receiver room. I don't know if they're the team that would add two wide receivers in the first round and back to back years, but I like that fit there. And that would really put the pieces around Lamar Jackson, who's kind of holding off on his contract to say, here's all your weapons. Go show. You can throw the ball.
1: Yeah. the Ravens Obviously be- in
0: the second round, like I actually the second half of the season, cause he is probably going to start on pub, but it, you know, like the Ravens would be, you know, piling up for that playoff run by the time he comes back.
1: Yeah, and they definitely like speed, and they like guys out of Alabama. So yes, <laughs> you got it, Alabama and speed. Like you have to, you know, pencil in the Ravens as well. So I think that'd be a good fit. On to our next guide, um, we'll say number four. Not that this list is really, like we mentioned, indicative of what their actual rank is. Um, is Chris Olave, and he's also out of Ohio State. So you know, he doesn't have his the big stats because, well, Chris, Ohio State has had so many good wide receivers. I mean. Terry McLaurin wasn't even the the best guy on their team, and he's been a solid pick for the Washington football team. We just talked about Garrett Wilson. Chris Olave, I'll say this right now, is the best route runner, technician, most nuanced receiver in the draft. I don't know where he's going to go. I think, like, the Eagles make a ton of sense, I think, for him. I really don't want him to. I am. Have you seen the movie Draft Day? Oh, yes. Okay, so you know the sticky note. Okay, well, my sticky note for the Packers is already in my pocket, and it says (laughs) Chris Olave, no matter what. And that would be the ideal fit because he would come in and he would play because he's so polished. Like, when you look at, you know, Jamison Williams, like, you're drafting him on potential. Like, he could be the next big thing. Like, he could be Jamar Chase, you Mm -hmm. know. Chris Olave, he probably doesn't have as high of a ceiling, but he's so polished and nuanced and ready now that I think the teams in the second half that have the established quarterback, you know, looking for a guy that can contribute this year, you know, they could come in and get him. I I compare him a lot to Justin Jefferson, which I was a big fan of him too. Um, That's probably, I'm probably the only person that compares him to it, but I just see a guy that, you know, people were like, uh, such a great route runner, doesn't have a high ceiling. And look what Justin Jefferson did. Again, I'm not saying that Chris Olave is the next Justin Jefferson, uh, but sometimes I think we get too caught up with, you know, for trying to project ceilings and letting p- people play out. I think Olave is very similar to like a Stefan Diggs. He had a 439 40. He is a little undersized at just over six feet and 187 pounds. I know some teams have a, a, you know, threshold of 190 pounds for wide receivers. We'll see if they're willing to you know, spread that out for three pounds. I was talking to my cousin, Chance, and he's like, have them eat a pizza before they weigh him. Like, I was like, <laughs> that's a very good point. So there you go. Uh, Chris Olave, definitely an interesting name uh, to keep an eye on.
0: I know it's not like typical to compare a wide receiver to a guy who was just drafted the year before, but Devontae Smith and him just look similar to me on tape. They both were not the top guy in their draft class, at least not considered, but they just both made everything look easy. They're similar body types. I know Devontae Smith is like super small compared to every other wide receiver you've seen, it seems like, but Olave isn't that small, but he is small compared to the position. And I think, yeah, the thing that got me is how smooth he looks running routes and how easy he makes everything look. He was a guy who, even though it was college and he had to have one foot in bounds. He would, he would always seem to be working on getting two feet down and doing it with ease. Like, he'd get two feet down on a toe tap on the sideline and be like, I didn't even see his feet touch the ground, and he got a touchdown right there. Like, I, there's something about him that's always intrigued me through this class, like, through this process. And I almost feel like I like him better than Garrett Wilson just because of his tape sticking out to me more. And I know that's probably not the right read, and that's probably why I'm not a scouting professional over here, but I think he has a lot of potential in this league and is going to be a steal for mid to late round wide receiver needy teams. Uh
1: I'm I'm right there with you. That's probably why we have a fantasy football podcast and not <laughs> NFL scouts. But I would rather have Olave over Garrett Wilson. Maybe Garrett Wilson could project to a higher ceiling. Um, but when I watch Olave, he looks like a guy that can come in and come in and compete and Again, if he ends up with like the Ravens, like he might not be this guy. But if you had to ask me right now in redraft leagues as we head into the season, Chris Olave would be my favorite rookie wide receiver target just because I think he's so pro-ready
0: and can come in and contribute from day one. No doubt about that. While I move us on then to our next wide receiver on the list, that'd be Arkansas's Traylon Burks. Now you have him fifth on the list. And I've been doing a lot of research around this wide receiver class, and I've seen a lot of people actually rank him in his draft stock up near where Garrett Wilson is, near the top of the class. So I'm curious what you've seen, whatever list, or what if you just randomly pulled, I'm sorry, why you have him down at five? Um, So, I, I, Burks is like one
1: of the most, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not controversial, but, you know, like hard to evaluate. Like if you watch his tape, he's running away from everybody. He's, you know, he's making plays. He can. Go, he's making contested catches. Like again, like Traylon Burks, I I really like. I think he has potential to be a very good player. I mean, heck, Sports Illustrated, I believe they uh they player comped him to Devontae Adams. I don't know what they they're seeing. And again, I'm sorry that that was not. They did not play or comp him to Devontae Adams. I had him mixed up with the guy we're going to talk about here in a couple seconds. Uh, Traylon Burks is more of a player to DJ Chark, according to sports illustrated. So huh. forget okay. what I just said about that, but I don't even, I don't like
0: that comp either, but his I'll relative. Give you a fun athlete, one actually, if you want to uh, NFL.com has him as AJ Brown with more wiggle.
1: Yes. I think that makes <laughs> a lot more sense. Like DJ Chark, When I think of him, I think of the speed guy, like, Una- Traylon Burks is another big body guy that is going to you know he can be a part of the run game he can you know catch the ball you know, on a five yard out route and make a guy miss he doesn't have you know like Tyree kill agility by any means like that's why he is a little bit lower on my list if you know what relative athletic score is it's a compilation of you know height and weight versus three cone versus bench press versus vertical putting all your combine stats essentially together and ranking you on a scale of one to one hundred and I think Uh, he, he's a little bit lower, um, for what got like guys might like, but you know, DeAndre Hopkins, T Higgins, they all had bad RAS scores and they're pretty darn good receivers. And and Traylon Burks could be a solid guy. Like he's a guy that is slipping. Like if he goes top 12, like I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't go to the chiefs at pick 30, I wouldn't be shocked. Like that's where we're at with him. And he's another guy that you got to pay attention to because if he goes to the Chiefs, if he goes to the Packers, he goes to the Titans, he goes to one of those teams, the Cowboys, they had him in for a visit on Thursday. Another team with a sneaky need because they got rid of Cooper, they lost Cedric Wilson. Traylon Burks in Dallas on the other side of CeeDee Lamb. Like, sign me up. Like, let me get him on my fantasy team. So Traylon Burks, I like a lot. He is number five currently on our list, but other than that, like, he's still a very good prospect. And again, this is what we're talking about. These rookie wide receivers, there's no clear-cut number one. Sorry, could you say that again? Sorry, Siri. I don't know if you all heard that or if that was just in my ears. <laughs> that, Siri no, that started talking so to fast. me. Okay, <laughs> perfect. Uh, I'm talking so much that I'm hitting my watch and everything. But the, the the group, like, these group of five players, ten players, like, they're so close, so valuable, mm-hmm. and they can all make an impact going into next season. They might just be, you know, Not all of them will be the 1A guys,
0: but like if they're all T Higgins, that's still really good wide receivers. Very true. Very true. Um, I think the biggest thing that uh, intrigues me about Traylon Burks and his scouting um, portfolio is how they talk about his big hands and his power. So his abilities to basically shake off corners and make contested catches. But you talked about how he just run, he always seems to just run away from people. He has that speed, too. Like It almost seems like it's too good to be true because he is such a balanced wide receiver that, like, oh, something's got to be missing. But it seems like he's done a little bit of everything. So that almost concerns me in a way. Like, have we not seen the weaknesses in Traylon Burke's game? Or is he really the all-around receiver that you're always trying to get out of the draft? That's the thing I'm going to be looking at.
1: Yeah, and I think it'll be interesting, you know, these teams. um, A guy like Traylon Burks, I would love to see a team, like, double up. Like, again, I'll I'll use the Packers, for example. Like, I would love to see them double up Traylon Burks with another receiver in round two, round three. Just because I think, you know, he provides a certain aspect, but he, he might not be that big down the field burner. Like, he is... I don't want to call him Debo Samuel because Debo Samuel does a lot more in the run game and stuff like that. But before he started going to the, you know, the jet sweeps, the the little out routes and like the more running back playing wide receiver, I get that vibe from Traylon Burks. But uh, moving on to – I was going to cut George off, but I'm going to cut him off again. Uh, So that's our top five, and I think they're all gone – uh, in round one. So the next couple of guys are where we're going to start looking at round two, end of round one, round two range. And number six, we have Jahan Dotson. Again, another guy. I put him at six on the list because there's a lot of people high on him. For me, he's just not one of my favorite guys. I know George is the resident Penn State fan, so I'll let him talk about it. But he's just being undersized. I know he did have a good 40-yard dash, all the good splits. Like he's a, He's an athlete. He could be a guy like the chiefs, like the, you know, he fits the, the Tyree kill replacement, but the next guy I think would be an even better fit. But George, what are your thoughts on Jahan Dotson?
0: Um, I'll start off with, I think my favorite comp I've seen for Dotson is Emmanuel Sanders to give you an idea of the kind of receiver he is. Maybe Emmanuel Sanders was a little bit more physical, like throughout his NFL career than you would see Dotson on tape, but he is a guy that is really good at getting into space yeah, can still make the contested catch now and again. He has obviously led an, a Penn State team who was fairly solid for at least most of the season. But he definitely has some holes in this game. He's going to have to improve as a receiver. He's a little bit of a work in progress. Not a guy that you would take at the top end of your dynasty you know, first round and expect him to be a number one wide receiver talent right off the bat. But he's a guy that you should be looking at near the end of the first round or in the second round as the potential upside guys. If he falls into the right position, he could be a guy who goes to a team, like you said, like the chiefs or the Packers Titans, where he doesn't have to be a number one wide receiver off the bat, but he could be a good complement to who they already have there and work on his game through year one. And maybe in year two, he's that sophomore wide receiver breakout but I don't see him being the most effective wide receiver right off the bat, just because I think he's going to have a problem with being physical against NFL corners right off the bat.
1: Yeah, he definitely has that smaller frame. Um, I think one other team I'll throw in here as it would be interesting, and I'm sure as a Penn State fan you would hate it, would be the Chicago Bears. Like I think he would be a good fit for there at this, you know, the second pick or in their second round. I know Penn State fans would hate seeing Justin Fields throwing Jahan Dotson the ball, <laughs> but he would fit in there nicely. Obviously, you know they still have Darno Mooney on the outside. They let Dotson come in, you know, play a little bit of you know the speed game, the slot. He can still play perimeter and boundary. Like he's not going to be a he's not a true slot guy. He's going to be in a outside position, but he's going to be more of your in breakers, your out breakers, your slants, your crossers, than um. And, you know, help like the West Coast system, which I think would be great for what the the Chicago Bears are trying to do. Um, but I did hint at it a little bit. And one of my favorite guys in the draft that like I'm not paying much attention to because like he doesn't fit any of the Packers thresholds that he's going to go out there and pick. So, like, I'm not getting excited about like him potentially coming to Green Bay, but a guy that you should be paying attention to out there is Sky Moore out of Western Michigan. It is a smaller school. But the dude is just, like, a human joystick. He's going out there making plays. Like, to me, like, just pencil him in with one of the Chiefs picks. He's going to go in (laughs) and replace the Tyreek Hill pick. Like, as soon as they traded Tyreek Hill, I think I texted the group Sky Moore to the Chiefs. Like You did. (laughs) So, I, I mean, obviously, he's a little bit different. than Like, there's no true Tyreek Hill comp. Like, let's be honest, there isn't. But that's the type of guy, a little, you know, shifty. Run your jet outs, run, you know, out and ups, make plays, yak, really good at that. Uh, so Skymore will all be, you know, position based, like not position based, but which team he goes to will be a big indicator on how important fantasy wise, where we put him in our fantasy rankings. And that's how a lot of receivers are. Uh, but honestly, like, I don't think there's a more perfect fit than Skymore at the Chiefs.
0: Yeah, and I actually find it interesting that you're calling him – people People looking at combine stats are going to be a little confused about what you said, calling him a human joystick. Because he actually, I believe, only ran a 4-4 at the combine in his 40. But he is the kind of guy that can juke somebody out in a phone booth, which is why you're saying that. He's a run-after-catch guy. He's really good with the ball. So, yeah, I think that, is, that, that alone makes him – Similar to the Tyreek Hill game, and he's a good route runner. He does good with the ball and get make himself space, even though he's not the fastest straight line runner you're going to find in the draft.
1: Abs- absolutely, you hit it right on the nail, or
0: hit it right, on hit it the right nail. on the nail. Yep,
1: that's okay. it. I, I did say, <laughs> I did say it right. I don't understand why I was struggling so. Much. No, so I don't think you one. actually
0: it, you hit the nail on the head is the the saying. I was just making fun of you there. Oh uh, that go that go, makes sense. Yeah.
1: Um <laughs> but yeah, like you mentioned, wasn't the fastest 40 time. Like again, this is where you have to look more than just the the 40. Like what he does on the field, you watch the tape, like he is just such a fun prospect. I think he can make an impact. He might never be he might never be a true number one wide receiver. He might only ever be A gadget guy like and that's okay like those players are important it's they're not also that beneficial often for you know fantasy but i i think more can come in and have a a really good career be a lot of fun to watch and definitely if he gets drafted by your team you should be excited about him
0: yeah, we're just going to hope that. Like I don't I don't think he's as boomer bust as some of these guys who basically are all 40-time and not as much this or that. Like I think he has more of a chance to be good in the NFL just because of his ability to shake out guys in the phone booth for example or be good with the ball in his hands. So yeah, I'm excited to see where Sky Moore ends up. I can move us on to we're getting down near the end of our top wide receivers here. We got George Pickens out of Georgia. So he's more of your big wide receiver, a little bit slower. But he is the no no
1: my man George pickens he is he's the big tree like he is a big he's a perimeter wide receiver he's six three mm-hmm. two hundred pounds um but he can run like honestly, okay, I don't understand why this guy is it has a second round grade on him. I told you who's on my paper slip for uh you know chris olave, no matter what for the Packers yeah. Yeah, But if you actually open it up, it says Chris Olave no matter what plus George Pickens. Like, this dude is a monster. He's aggressive at the point of attack. He is a fast guy, and that's actually the guy I was talking about earlier when I had the slip up about SI. They compared him to a Devontae Adams. That is a little bit hmm. crazy to me. And, again, I, I don't think when we're giving player comparisons, This is it's like I'm not saying he's the next Devontae Adams. But if you think about Devontae Adams' career trajectory – he was a second round pick. He went through, you know, he did have a little bit of issues and stuff like that, but he progressed. And George Pickens has one of the highest ceilings of all the prospects out there. He is a ton of fun like just hop on Twitter right now. Maybe I'll I'll try to send some tweets out from the couch DMs, but just go watching him like initiate blocks and just like the pop on his hands. Like not even receiving stuff that gets you excited, but in the run game like and that's important for wide receivers that need to block like he goes and like Derrick Henry's the defensive back every time. Like he just has powerful hands. He's such a great prospect. Again, I don't understand why he is such a a second round grade. He he he's my favorite second round pick of all of them. Like he could end up in the first. And I some people say it's a reach. You'll get those instant draft gates. Oh, see, he should he's second round guy. No, George Pickens is a I will I will die on this hill. He is. I would I'd rather have George Pickens than Garrett Wilson and Garrett Wilson's number one on a lot of people. Let's just Charles uh, wow. not here, but I'll go ahead and take hot takes for <laughs> for a week. George Pickens is an elite prospect and let him fall to the Packers at
0: 53. I dare you. I mean, he could also be it's worth yeah, it's worth noting he's coming off of an ACL tear. He did come back to play in late in the 2021 season. That could be part of the reason why teams are pumping the brakes a little bit but the fact that he did come back and play should mean he has a clean bill of health, shouldn't have any problems coming into his NFL career. But I think some people kind of worry about injuries more than they should. So maybe that's part of the reason.
1: Yeah. I, I don't know. And just so I, I did pull up the quick number. He ran a four, four, seven at six three two hundred 200 pounds. So it's fast for that's the size. Under, You're right. That's. And he has some nuance to his game. He obviously, he can develop as a route runner. Like that's, going to be you know something similar that he'll need to do but he's not in inept at it he can still do he can still route run he just he needs a little bit more polishing a little bit, he's not super uh ready to do that uh but i i love george pickens i i think you can tell by the excitement about him uh i'm I'll pro- yeah. i'm probably a fan of his already depend no matter where he goes and as excited as i am he's going to go to the freaking lions or the bears the, the vikings i already know it i'm already preparing for it um but the next guy I might just be I'm not I know there's a lot of excitement around the next guy on our list number 9 Christian Watson out of North Dakota State he was the you know he's been the biggest riser I'll call him of the whole draft process he started out as you know maybe a third probably a fourth round pick and now end of round 1 is a real possibility for him he balled out at the senior bowl he was voted on by all the cornerbacks in the country that were there the best wide receiver at the senior bowl he impressed at the combine like he is doing everything right is that a concern that you know before you actually saw him in the draft season that you had him in the third or fourth round or was that because he went to such a small school and it's like oh now we're actually getting to see this guy uh he he is dominant I think he has potential to be a you know he has potential to be an elite number one wide receiver. He could be the best wide receiver in the class, but it's not going to happen in year one. He did go to a small school. He needs to work on his route running. He needs to um, get a little bit better. But again, he's another, I think he's six four, and he ran in the four threes. He, another, you know, just big body that's super fast and can make an impact for a team. Like, he's he was running jet sweeps at North Dakota State. Like, what three wide receiver are you giving jet sweeps around the edge to? And like he's taking a distance again, I know the competition is not as good at that level as it is when you're playing the SEC and the Big Ten and stuff like that. But you you play at the school you're at and if you dominate there, you're, you're still dominating. We've seen small school guys go into the NFL and succeed. Christian Watson makes a ton of sense. Round two, round three, I would love, no, I would not love. I think it makes a ton of sense. I would not love to see it. As a fan of the Green Bay Packers, but I think he makes a ton of sense for the San Francisco 49ers. Give them that big body, Ooh. pair him with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, round out that wide receiver room, get Trey Lance a weapon that he used to throw to. Like, San Francisco round two, Christian Watson. Like, I'm going to start getting really excited
0: to go get him early in rookie drafts. Interesting. I never would have thought of San Francisco as a fit there, but that makes a lot of sense. Um, And I'm not super worried about him rising through the draft process because I feel like when you're talking about the smaller schools, you normally see the quarterbacks, especially in a class like now when you're trying to dig for a quarterback, those smaller schools get a little bit more love for that position. But outside of it, there's always the excuses of, oh, they're playing against weaker defenses and blah, blah, blah like that. So, once he started performing the same way that he was at North Dakota State against these higher competitions in the Senior Bowl and through the draft process, people realized that maybe there is something here. So he's not, I don't think he's going to end up being a first round pick, but I definitely agree with him rising up the draft board once he started to prove himself against better talent. Uh, it's also worth noting there's a pedigree there. His father did play safety in the NFL. So in the family, that normally it doesn't always mean that a player is going to be a hit, but. It always shows that if it's in the genes, there's a possibility. Um, and you mentioned he's really good at not only catching the ball, but running on the ground. He was really good at those jet sweeps. And at that size, that's kind of scary. And he is a kick returner as well. So a little bit of versatility there, especially if we're going to go out there and get a second, third round pick. If they can be helpful on special teams as well as working into your offense, that's a good way to start as a rookie.
1: Absolutely. Christian Watson, again, another you know prime prospect, that like I said, he could go in the first round. Some people might say it's a reach. I think he has the potential to be an elite wide receiver. We'll have to see how that develops. Just a quick recap, he's 6'4", 208 pounds and ran a four three, six forty. Has one of the highest relative athletic scores of all time. At one it was at ten for a long time. I think it finished at nine point nine six. So that just goes to show you how big of an athlete it was. I think that he actually ranks third, only behind like Calvin Johnson and I can't remember the other name. So from an athletic standpoint, not a talent standpoint. From an athletic standpoint, that's the guy we're talking about with Christian Watson. And then number 10 on our list is another wide receiver out of Alabama, John Mechie third. He's going to probably go the end of the second round, potentially in the third round. And the big reason why is he's coming off of an ACL injury as well. If he wasn't, he would be a lot higher on the list. So, again, a guy, we don't know if we'll even get him back this. When we'll get him back, he's probably looking at in November at the earliest type of return we haven't so we don't have any of the 40 time numbers on them we just have what we see on tape and if you watch Alabama you saw John Mechie making plays he has some nuance to his route running game you know he's very similar to me as like a Chris Olave but he's coming off injury so you're going to get him a little bit later you know he might not be as elite of a route runner but he has some of that same nuance he he looks like he's going to be just fast enough he's going to be fast enough if not pretty fast once he's is able to run Uh, So John Mechie, I think, will be a a steal, a name you should keep an eye on. Uh, Again, you have to remember he is coming off the ACL injury, but what a fun prospect to add and or at some time on day two.
0: Yeah, and these are the kind of guys I think that could be a big hit for you if you're a rebuilding dynasty team. Because say he does fall into round three somehow in the draft because of his injury and a team doesn't want to take a risk on a guy who's still going through his ACL recovery. You could see him fall into round two, late round two, even in your dynasty drafts and you snatch him, you put him on injured reserve. Maybe next year you end up with one of the top wide receivers in the rookie class, even though you drafted him a year before and you're looking at a steal out of there end of round two or even maybe even round three in your dynasty draft. Um, he projects, from what I've heard, as a slot receiver in the NFL. Um, maybe he could play outside if he does bulk up a little bit and keeps working on that route tree, but um, he's a great route runner. I could see him being a slot receiver with his size and his route running, but we'll see how it ends up going when he comes back from his ACL injury.
1: Yeah, definitely a name to watch, like I said, very similar to – to Chris Olave, who we know is going to go in the first round, you could get that same type of player in round three, round four. You just won't get them right away. Uh, so that's our top ten. Uh, some other names to keep an eye on as we, you know, go through the draft season. You know, they, it, they, they, these are going to really depend on what team they go to. Alex Pierce out of Cincinnati gives me Jordy Nelson vibes, so that can be very interesting. David Bell out of Purdue. He's a solid wide receiver. Justin Ross out of Clemson. Wandale Robinson out of Kentucky. Jalen Tolbert out of South Alabama. Definitely remember that one. Another small school guy that's actually a really good wide receiver. Kyle Phillips is flying up draft boards with some of his athletic testing. Khalil Secure out of Boise State. Kevin Austin Jr. out of Notre Dame. And Calvin Austin III out of Memphis. And I do have to give a shout-out to Trey Turner out of Virginia Tech because i got to give all the Virginia Tech players some love. A ton of wide receivers in this draft. It is a very deep class. It's not top-heavy, but you will get solid guys all throughout it. I mean, the wide receiver prospects coming out of the NFL the last couple of years have been very exciting. Another reason why we did start with the wide receivers at first. So there's a lot of guys to take a look at. So, you know, make sure you're checking out, you know, the draft network, ESPN, NFL, Sports Illustrated, us, like, there's all kinds of different opinions out there. So getting the best idea, get those names in your head for your upcoming dynasty drafts or moving forward into next year for redraft season. But before we head out, I have two quick things for George that I didn't tell him about. I don't know if he read (laughs) down far enough on the outline.
0: I did not. This is a surprise. So
1: we have a dynasty question. It is a trade review, not a review, but like, would you take it? Okay. So, uh, the, trade the basis of the trade is Devonte adams mm-hmm. for mark andrews and a player and let's just say the player is darnell mooney like a player like that not you know a guy that could be good but we haven't really seen it you want to take a rookie from last year like Diami brown like that type of range like a guy that has a high ceiling but isn't there yet in dynasty and my question for you is Devonte adams is elite. We expect him to be elite. He's going to be a top 10, mm-hmm. top 12 pick in fantasy, most likely, despite switching teams. But in dynasty, Mark Andrews is three years younger. He plays at a position that there's literally four guys that are currently good at, it, and he's one of those four. Is that trade work? Like you're getting a top 10 wide receiver, mm-hmm. but because of the positional value of tight end, does it worry you
0: on making that move? yes um I think unless you're a team that happened to like be one of those teams that fell into a top tight end either drafting a Kyle Pitts like as that potential big boom guy for the future um I'm not getting rid of mark Andrews especially because you're getting rid of Mark Andrews plus a player like a Darnell Mooney someone who has potential you know big impact in the future years if it was straight Devonte Adams for Mark Andrews I still might slightly lean Mark Andrews because of the value of having a tight end of that caliber, adding in a, you know, a decent piece like a Darnell Mooney makes me definitely feel like I have to stick to that side. Um, If, but if you are a team who has two top tight ends, like if you have Mark Andrews with Travis Kelsey somehow or Mark Andrews with Darren Waller, even, and you're a weak wide receiver team, then that'd be the only way I would go with that. I mean, I hate to answer it with all these hypotheticals, but Dynasty, I feel like, almost is a hypothetical because a trade makes so much more sense, you know, to offload that top tight end for the top wide receiver if you already have another tight end. Or maybe it's a league you don't have to play a tight end at all. I don't know. But (laughs) I'm leaning Andrews and Mooney in, in a normal, ideal situation.
1: Gotcha. But I'll add that caveat in. What if it's like a Dynasty League where you can play you know you have to play four pass catchers so it can be a tight end or it can be four wide receivers you don't have to play a tight end does that
0: make it more interesting for you slightly it would make it slightly more interesting for me but you'd have to be pretty deep for me to say trade andrews and mooney for adams gotcha
1: anyone's out there this is actually my question that i sent in so i was getting george's advice i'm on the same wavelength as him, I, I think it's a little bit too rich, even as much as a mm-hmm. Devontae Adams fan as I am. And then my last question for you, George, there was this viral tw- tweet that was going around on <laughs> Tuesday that said, we're canceling each other over food takes, so post your most controversial food take. And I got to ask, Calciano's is bringing it back to food, that snack we're eating. On, what is your controversial one? I tweeted out mine is pineapple belongs on pizza. A little oh, bit of pushback no. on that one what is your most controversial food take put you on the spot so i know
0: Ooh, i don't i don't think my food is like i don't think what i eat is that controversial i mean pineapple does not belong in pizza forget that but like you're missing out you, no i am not missing. i've out, heard there, there was a lot like bacon is overrated forget ketchup that. is the worst condiment like um i mean i guess the biggest thing i can say is i still eat ketchup and that this is what brought me to that uh ranch dressing is the best thing to dip anything in i'll ranch dressing to dip um chicken nuggets french fries anything like that so like forget barbecue sauce forget ketchup it's ranch
1: interesting i think that works i think that works for your <laughs> most controversial food take hey let us know you know fi- go out there and tweet it on tweet it on twitter Go out and tweet at us. I mean, that's what you do on Twitter. (laughs) Drop a comment on what your favorite food take is. We'll go out there and, and share it. Make sure you're following us along. But as always, thank you again for listening to another episode of the Couch GM's podcast. It's a lot of fun. We got a lot more draft content coming. And Tyler is not here. He'll be back next week when it's just him and George. But he would say this podcast is more fun for you and more fun for us when you get involved.
0: Yes, it is, Cody. And thank you all one more time for listening into the Couch GM's podcast. For Cody Roadcap, I'm George Kirk. See you all next week.